Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning I want to ask you if you will please to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 24. With the beginning of the year and with everything that's happening uh, at the first of the year, a lot of us have, we've talked about making New Year's resolutions and what I want to ask you is, is are you keeping the resolutions you made? Have you... uh, Maybe you made a resolution to go exercise at the gym uh, more often, or maybe it was to uh, spend more time reading your Bible or praying uh, in prayer. Uh, Perhaps you made a decision to change your diet, and maybe uh, you made a decision to uh, do a variety of different things. Whatever it might be, uh, are are you keeping with it? You know, that's one of the hardest things to do is to keep those uh, resolutions because we tend to be people that do things out of habit. One of those things that people, a lot of people do in, as a part of habit is the way you worship. I mean, uh, think about the songs that we sang this morning. All of them had solid theological backing to them. All of them were uh, hymns of praise and worship to God. Uh, does anybody even remember the first song that we sang without Miss Patty helping out with the hymn number? Does anybody even remember the hymn number or, or the name of the song that we, the, that we sang? Page 8. Well, was that your, that was the call to worship, right? I'm talking about the one that we all sang as a, a congregation. Yeah. Stand up for stand up for Jesus, huh? Yeah, standing on the promises. Okay, so a lot of times we tend to do things in worship that we just breeze through and we don't even think about. A lot, all of those hymns, if you look back at all the different hymns that we sang this morning, all related to our relationship to God, Amen. as they should be. Uh, they all relate to having a closer relationship with God, worshiping God on a, on a deeper level, desiring to have a closer walk with Jesus, a walk with God. And really, if you think about it, that's how we should live day to day. And I hope that your uh, your desire this new year that, that we've just begun to embark upon has focused around trying to change your life to where you're deeper uh, in relationship with Christ. You know, uh, uh, Christianity is different from any other religion in this world in that Christianity is based on not just a uh, someone worshiping God in a certain way, but it it all is related to a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God. In Hinduism, you don't have a relationship with any of the hundreds of different gods and goddesses that they worship. They basically just merely worship those gods for whatever they can do for that individual and whatever that person desires for their life. And uh, other religions, uh, it's all about 
worshiping that God and worshiping God in, in that particular way. But in, Christian, in uh, the Christian faith, in relationship to God and through Jesus Christ, it is all about our relationship. What Jesus did on the cross for us, dying uh, for us as sinners who were condemned and separated from God, it was all about bringing a, a uh, condemned humanity back in a right relationship with God. And that related to the fact that we didn't deserve to be in a relationship with God because of our sin. We, our sin kept us from having that proper relationship with God. But God desired that love relationship with us so much that He was willing to sacrifice Jesus Christ on the cross so that we could have the debt of our sin paid for so that we could be in right relationship with God. One of the most important parts and aspects of a relationship with God is prayer. And I want to talk to you this morning about prayer, your prayer life and how you pray, what you pray for. And we've been hinting at this a little bit in some of the other uh, services that, uh, this year already and talking about prayer and how we pray. What do you pray for? Are you praying? And we talked about the fact that a lot of times we pray selfishly. God, help me with this. Help me to do that. Help, Lord, do this for me. Do that for me. When it all ought to be about our relationship with God. We ought to exalt God. We ought to worship God in our prayer. We ought to praise God for who He is and what He has done for us and all those things. And But God does tell us that we need to make our supplication known to Him. And what that is all about is about the fact that we trust in God to control our life, rely on God for the things that we need. More importantly, we turn control of our life over to Him. That's one of the things that we have the hardest thing, hardest uh, time doing in our life is turning control over to God. Think about the way you pray. God, help this person because they're sick. Help me because I'm going to have a test. Help me because I need more money at work or I need a new job. Listen to what, not only is that self-centered, and that we're asking for all these things. But hear the tone and how we pray that. And I know it's, look, I understand. It's just a habit we get into, a habit in the way that we pray, and it's a bad habit. But listen to what it is. It's God, I'm telling you what I think needs to happen. God, help me get this job because I really need this job. The better way to pray about that is God, uh, Lord, we're just having a hard time with the things that we need. Lord, provide for us, whether that's a new job or, or some other way. God, uh, Lord, we, we trust in You for the things that we have. We rely upon You. See the difference? I'm taking the control of my circumstance out of my hands and placing them in God. I don't feel like I have to... Uh, you know, when I pray, God, give me another job, I'm saying uh, to God, God, I know that, that you're out there and you can help me, but the only way I can provide for myself is for me to have a job. No. You ought to be praying, God, uh, you know my needs, and you know the circumstance I'm in. Lord, I submit myself to you and I rely on you to take care of my needs. I rely upon you for all the things that I have and all the things that I need. Lord, help me to learn. 
to live with what you choose to give me. You see, that's submission to God. That is learning obedience to God. That's learning to subjugate yourself to God and allow Him to be in charge of your life. I want to talk to you and give you an example of someone who gives a good example of how we should pray and, and, the, and the process. Uh, this passage of Scripture is dealing with uh, the end of Abraham's life. And I was reading through this a few days ago in my daily Bible reading, and, and I, I, I came across this and I said, this is a classic of how we ought to, to pray. Um, Abraham's coming to the end of his life. And he's, remember, he was very old when Isaac was born. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was uh, in her 90s, 91 uh, years old when, uh, when she gave birth. Think about that. Maybe you know somebody that's 91 years old. Maybe you have a, a you know, a, a parent or somebody that you know that is 91 years old. Can you imagine them having a child at 91? <laughs> My, I can't even imagine that at 51, but let alone 91. But uh, uh, here, God blesses Abraham and Sarah with a, a child, Isaac, and and it, this is several years later because Isaac's of the age to need a wife, and and Sarah has uh, passed away. And Abraham is in his older age and, and he's still dealing with the issues that are uh, there in the home. And he, he tells his servant, he says, look, I'm, I want you to go and find a, uh, a spouse for my son Isaac. But I don't want him to, to marry anyone from around here. Now remember, Abraham had left the Ur of Chaldees to follow after God to a place that God showed him that He wanted him to live. And, and as a result of his obedience to God and because of uh, God's desire to have a relationship with Abraham, God selected Abraham to, to build this covenant relationship, this covenant life. And in that, as a part of that covenant, God said, look, look around everywhere you are. I'm going to give all of this to you. All this land is going to be yours. It's going to be... And something, I, you know, something that I pick up on from time to time going through and reading, rereading some of this that's so uh, important. God didn't strike up His covenant relationship with Abraham as long as Lot was there. His nephew. Remember, Lot uh, tagged along with Abraham when, and Abraham's father went along with them. Uh, as long as Abraham's father and Abraham's nephew Lot were there, God didn't uh, do the the covenant. It was not until Abraham's father was no longer in the picture and Abraham's nephew Lot had gone his separate way. That's when God uh, finally committed this covenant relationship with him. A lot of times we don't have the proper relationship with God because of the fact that we allow those who are uh, around us to affect us. God wanted a relationship with Abraham. He didn't want a relationship with Lot. He didn't want a relationship with uh, Abraham's father. He wanted a relationship with Abraham and to establish that relationship with him. And it wasn't until those those individuals were away 
that God was able to finally come in and, and cement this relationship through a covenant. So anyway, God is, is, is blessing Abraham with a son. Abraham has Isaac in his old age, and now Isaac is of the age to need a, a wife. And he says to his, uh, to his servant, promise me, and, and he says, make a, an oath to me that you will not uh, have uh, find a spouse for Isaac from the people of Canaan where we live, but I want not a Canaanite woman, but uh, someone from my own clan. So he, he uh, uh, in verse 1 it says, He was old and stricken, and, he, um, and Abraham said to his eldest servant, verse 2, of his house uh, that ruled over all that he had, he said, Put, I pray thee, a hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, of, uh, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Verse 4, But thou shalt go unto my country and find of my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So this is the impossible task that that he is given. The servant of Abraham is given a task of going and finding a wife for his um, master's ha- uh, son Isaac, and he's not to just go out and find any uh, girl, but he's to go out and find someone of his, Abraham's clan. Uh, why? Why is that so important? Because this is part of the covenant of God that that Abraham has with God, and so. Uh, the Lord uh, goes with the servant and uh, he goes unto uh, the area in which uh, Abraham's from. He says in verse 5, Peradventure, the woman uh, will not be willing to follow me into the land. Must I need bring this, thy son unto, uh, again into the land from whence thou comest? And Abraham said unto him, be, uh, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying unto thy seed, will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So... Not only is he tasked with giving, uh, taking his, uh, uh, getting a wife for his son, but he has to do it without the son. He has to go uh, to a foreign land and find a a, a wife for his uh, master's son without his master there. Now look, imagine this is happening today. This would never happen today. Can you imagine this? Oh, I, I represent a, a gentleman whose son is ready to be uh, married and. Uh, we want you to come and, and get married to him. What's he look like? Well, I, I don't have a picture to show you. Um, who is he? Well, I can tell you his name, Isaac, but that's about all I can tell you. Um, you know, this is an impossible task. He's, he's got to go to a foreign land to find this just the right one, and he's got to do it without taking Isaac with him because why is Abraham's afraid that his son will go uh, to this foreign land and be in a place where God has called him away from and never come back. He wants Isaac to stay in this land of promise that God has given him uh, so that he will, ne- uh, will stay there because this is his land. And so his uh, servant does this. Um, 
And we see in the next couple of verses that he goes and he goes to find uh, find this wife for uh, Isaac. Now, now you're saying, okay, well, how's this give us any instruction? Now, have you ever felt like when you pray that your your prayers don't get very uh, far, that your prayers don't leave the room or that they bounce off the ceiling that you just that when you pray do you feel as though God is listening so many times people get in the habit of not praying because they feel as though it's not doing any good to pray so why should I pray or maybe you get to the point where you get in the habit of not praying and you just don't pray Our prayer life is to be not just about the most difficult circumstances like the servant found himself in, but it's to deal with all circumstances in every situation, no matter what you're going through, even when things are going good. You need to be mindful of your prayer life and asking God to direct your footsteps, direct your pathways, direct your words, guard your mouth. There's so many things that we need to pray for on a daily basis so that we don't say the wrong things or don't think the wrong things, don't look at things the wrong way or, or that we make sure that we say the right thing to the right people. Most of the time we wait till we have the impossible task like this servant and that's when we finally pray. Well... Uh, Let's pick up in our story. Now the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of the master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia where, and to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of this evening, even the time that the women go out to draw water. And here's his prayer. And he says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray that uh, I pray thee send me a good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she say, Drink, and I will give uh, thy camels drink also. The same be that thou hast appointed for my servant Isaac. And thereby, thereby shall I know that thou has showed kindness unto my master. And so what we see is uh, we, uh, we have the servant who's coming to the task and he says, Lord, I want you to go before me. I want you to, to show kindness to my master Abraham. I, want, I, I pray that you would uh, direct me to the person you want. See, here's how he's praying. He's saying, God, he doesn't say, God, let this one that's coming right now be the one. He doesn't say, Lord, uh, let the first one that comes be the one. He's saying, Lord, show me. Allow me to see the one. Allow me to know the right one. Here's And he lays out a condition. He says, uh, Lord, let this be a sign to me that I might be able to know uh, that 
when I ask someone for a, a, a drink of water that she not only gives me drink, but she offers to, to, uh, to water my camels. And so he allows God to direct his life. He allows God to show him direction. He's laying it at God's feet and not trying to show God or tell God which one it is that he wants or ask God to make it... Hey, God, make it snappy here. I got things to do. I got a long way to go back. Hey, God, how about how about uh, showing me the one? Hey, God, uh, you know I'm in a little bit of a hurry. Uh, uh, could you just make sure that the right one come be the first one? He doesn't do any of those. He says, God, have have show your kindness to my master. Allow me to see the one. When's the last time that you prayed and allowed all of your desire to be placed at God's feet? Amen. When was and you allow? And a lot of times we say, "Okay, God, uh, we're praying that things will come out in Your will." No, that's not allowing God to have complete control. You're giving God your desired outcome at the very beginning. You know, you ought to say, you know, if somebody's having surgery, God, uh, we know that you love this person. We know that that your desire is is that uh, they understand and know your presence in their life and that you carry them through this circumstance. Lord, we pray that that you would have your desire done. Boy, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To release control, to release your desire and allow God's desire to be. But you know, so many things that we do in our relationship to God, we try and tell God what to do. Who's really in control in your life? Who's really the Lord of your life? Well, you might say, well, God, God's the Lord of my life. What are you saying? Jesus is the Lord of my life. I, I gave my heart and life to Him. Really, when's the last time you allowed Him to have control of everything in your life? Amen. When's the last time you just laid it all out before Him and say, God, I don't know what's going on. And I don't have to. Amen. Lord, you just let your will be done. Let your desire be done. See, so often we try and wrestle control away from God. We try and, and control God's answer. But really what we're doing is we're still, we still haven't learned to let go and allow God to be the Lord of our life. I want you to see how God answered His prayer. Verse uh, 15 says, And it came to pass before He had, uh, was done speaking, that is, to God, before I had even been finished speaking, that behold, Re- Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. That means she was a looker. She was pretty. Okay? And uh, she was a virgin. That meant she was... She was. She didn't have a ring on it. She didn't. Ha- she wasn't committed. She'd not been in a relationship with anyone. She was a candidate for marriage. Okay, and not only that, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. So now we see that uh, Rachel is come. Uh, Rebecca, excuse me. Rebecca's come. She is everything that. Uh, 
that the servant is desiring in a candidate for his master's son to be a uh, to be a wife, and she comes out and she goes down to the well and draws water and come is coming back up. And the servant runs up to meet her, and he says, "Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher." And she said, "Drink, my lord." And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon uh, her hand and gave him drink. And when he had, uh, when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all of his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Okay, so what we have here is a situation where before he's even finished praying, the answer to his prayer is coming. Now, he doesn't know for sure if it's the answer to his prayer, but he sees that God's working. How many times do we, uh, when we pray, do we actually... When we pray and give something over to God, do we really look to see God working in our life? We're, we, let's be honest. So many times we're looking for God to answer prayer in our way, not in His way. We're not looking for God just simply to answer uh, uh, the prayer according to His will. We're looking for uh, those prayers to be answered in our will. And so often we're blind to the fact of how God's really working in our life. So in this situation, he prays, God, we pray that you, I pray that you would send her and let me see. And uh, God answers before he's even finished praying. Uh, Look at uh, a verse to remember is found in Isaiah 65, verse 24. Uh, And this is talking about God's people making their prayers. And it says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. God's desire for His people is, is that they understand that He's listening. He's hearing. God hears you when you pray. You need to understand that God knows the circumstances in your life, but He wants to hear you pray and, and turn your life over to Him. He wants you to give that over to Him because it shows not only obedience, but it also shows a relationship of trust, and it shows, thirdly, a relationship of love, that you desire so much for God to be a part of your life that you're willing to turn everything over to Him. So many things in our life we seek to keep control of. We want to keep in control of our finances so we're willing to just give God a meager amount of what we have rather than opening up to God everything that He may need of us or want us to give. We simply say, okay, God, I'm only due to give you 10%, but this week we're having a little bit of a hard time. God, I'm not going to give you even that this week. Next week, if we've got enough, I'll give you the 10%. We keep hold of things uh, so much in our life because we think we know how to, how to best do those things when we need to just simply say, God, you gave it to me. It's not mine. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. Whatever you desire for me to have, I will keep hold of. But you have first dibs on everything in my life. Amen. That's allowing God to be the Lord of your life. That's putting God first and foremost. That is uh, trusting in Him. Uh, you know, the act of offering. I don't speak about this too much. It's a, it's a divisive thing. It's something that causes problems for some people. But when we 
When we give an offering, it is an act of worship in that we're giving to God, but it's also an act of showing our faith that we trust God to meet 100% of of what we have with only 90% of what He's given us. But really what we ought to be doing is giving 90% of what we have and trust that God will provide 100% of what we have with the 10% that we have left over. That's really what we ought to do because we ought to trust in God for everything that we have and not hold anything back from Him. But here's the servant. He trusts in God to provide for someone. And before he even finishes praying, he sees uh, this young maiden. She's a stunner. She's young. She's a, uh, and of course, this is narrative uh, written after the fact, after he's gotten to know her, but because um, he can't tell that she's never been with a, a man or a virgin or anything like that just simply looking at her uh, other than some of the cultural things that might be at hand. But uh, he says, this is the perfect woman. This is the one that God uh, obviously has for uh, me to, to go. But look, he doesn't jump into it. He still trusts that God will. He doesn't. He doesn't depend upon the fact, uh, his own eyes to tell him the truth that this is the woman. He waits for the sign from God. So often when we pray, we jump out ahead of before God. And if anybody uh, ought to know that more than anyone, it should be the servant of Abraham. Because look, God told Abraham, look. By this time next year, you're going to have a child. And Abraham said, you know, well, we're getting old. Maybe we ought to go in uh, to Hagar and, and uh, have a child. Maybe this is how God's going to do this. No, the servant waits. He waits upon God. And so often when we pray, we have a hard time of waiting on God. Waiting for God to show us that this is the, the answer. Waiting for God to clear the pathway and say, this is the one. So after he, uh, before he, uh, before anything happens, he runs up to her, asks her for water. She gives him water. He drinks, and then after he's finished drinking, she says, "Hey, how about I go and get you some water for your camels?" Now, look, this is not getting a little bit of water for your dog in his bowl. These are camels. They drink. I've heard they drink a lot of water. Remember, they've just come through a long journey through the wilderness. They they're thirsty. And camels hold a lot of water. And we're not told how many camels he has, but we know for one thing's for certain, he got more than one because it says camels instead of camel. And so uh, she draws water for all of them, not just so they have a little bit to drink. She doesn't say, hey, how about I draw water for your camels and uh, just fills up the trough. She continues to fill it until they've had all the water that they can drink. Why do I bring that up? Because God, when He answers your prayer, you and I need to learn that God will answer our prayers beyond our expectations. So often we wait for God and we we put such little expectation on God. We think, God, if you'll just simply allow me this or allow me to do that. And again, that's all about control, isn't it? We expect so little from God. And I've heard, I've literally, I've heard, and, and you might have been one of those people that says, why would God answer my prayer? I'm just a little old nobody in the back hind end of nowhere. Why would God answer my prayer? 
But what you need to understand is, is that God doesn't treat you any different from anyone else. When God hears your prayer and God answers your prayers, He, pray, he answers the, And when we allow God to answer our pray, uh, prayers according to His will, He goes above and beyond our expectations. She says, look, I'll not only give you water for you to have plenty to drink, I'll draw water for your camels and give them all that they can drink. And then as He begins to talk with her, He begins to find out who she is. And yes, she is exactly to a T what his master Abraham put in the stipulation. She's not only of the same clan, she's a descendant of his master's own brother, which makes her the perfect candidate, exactly the one. And so if you keep on reading, you'll see that he goes through the process of, of uh, putting... Uh, bracelets on her wrist and a ring in her nose that's kind of like uh, putting an engagement ring on the finger today uh, saying look you're you're the one you're the special one I want to make sure that you know that you're being chosen and she, he goes with her back to his, her father's house and uh, he spends the night gets to know them makes his proposal to them but he already knows that God has chosen her but yet he still allows God to to have the final say and that he goes and presents his case before her father and waits for their answer because you see not only does he have to find the one that God selected but they have to be willing to they have to willingly submit to God's will in their life and she does and they go back and God blesses so many times we miss out on the blessings of God because we don't put our prayers before Him. What do we need to learn from this in our prayer walk? First, we need to make sure that as we pray that we have the right heart with God, that we don't pray according to our will. We don't put ourselves up on a pedestal, but that we make sure that we have God in control of our life. Secondly, we need to, uh, to allow God to freely choose His will in our life, not our will. We need to trust Him to make those decisions and don't get out ahead of God. And then we also need to make sure that we appropriately praise God. If you read the verse right after where uh, He begins to talk with her, He immediately drops to the ground and praises God. One of the things that we fail to do so often is to praise God for answering our prayers. We fail to thank God for all that He does for us. And that's, look, we need to, you need to understand that's a part, that's as much a part of, of allowing God direction in our life as it is, uh, as anything else. We've got to acknowledge what God does for us and exalt Him, praise Him, glorify Him because we have been blessed of God. And so often we fail to do that. So often we fail to thank Him for all He has done. So let me ask you this today. How's your prayer life? You know, your prayer life is a key indication as to how your spiritual walk is with Christ. Your life in Christ is a direct... Uh, is Your prayer life is a direct correlation to how you're walking with Him. Who, where are you at in your relationship with God? Are you trusting Him? Are you communicating with God? Are you allowing God control in your life? Are you allowing God direction to direct your life? 
Are you still running from God? Are you rebelling from Him? Are you trying to go your own way? Are you trying to live and serve Him? These are all uh, barometers of how you are walking in Christ. And hopefully, as we seek to make these changes in the way that we pray, the way that we do these things, that we'll have a closer walk with Jesus Christ, that we'll have a closer relationship with God. And that's what we're supposed to do as Christians, is to seek to grow closer to Him, to live for Him, live and exalt Him.